Three, two, one. Welcome. We are here in the first ever Heldzilla podcast, uh, which is quite exciting, actually, uh, in the bam- bamboo office in beautiful Singapore. Around the table, there's myself, Nico. I am one of the co-founders of a Better Life, which is the sort of company for Heldzilla. And together with me are the, the founders of this com- company, uh, Laura Ranin and Aki Ranin. The brains and power behind the, the, the little purple monster. Um, welcome, guys. Great to have you here. Thank Hello. you. Delighted to be here. So, it will be very interesting to start these podcast discussions because I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to really dive deep into the, the thought process of how, how you guys do optimize your life. Because the service that, that the purple monster actually offers is towards improving your health, well being, and overall levels. Well, then, as you guys have sort of come up with this idea, then, you know, supposedly your, your own life would be, would be full of health hacks and, and, and habits and healthy lifestyle, which, uh, which could be useful for, for people to hear about as well, right? Yeah, and obviously that's something that we've written about and that's something we're very passionate about. Um, most of it, I would say it's scientific and science-based, um, but there's also some some other elements that will be uh, interesting to discuss. Yeah, I generally think morning routines uh, have become a bit of a trend. Maybe in the past five years, a lot of famous people, whether it's people associated with health and fitness, um, say like Tim Ferriss or Ben Greenfield have become kind of famous for talking about morning routines, but then also like celebrities, The Rock, Mark Wahlberg, this sort of more hardcore extreme morning routines, I think it's kind of a, you know, kind of a legend. People create memes on Instagram about these morning routines or, you know, post pictures of their, you know, 3.59 a.m. wake up just to show up other people. So I think it's become really popular. But like Laura said, I think it's, you know, not exactly all scientific. I think there's a lot of different mm, philosophies of life, living, priorities that people emphasize. Uh, So I think if anything, what we can do is to bring a bit of that sort of science slash data um, to your morning routine and, and we can talk about some of the ways in, in uh, how that fits in later. Absolutely. So looking at the morning routines, that's actually a very good, good topic uh, for, for today's discussion as well. Because it's essentially when we get up, uh, get up from the bed, um, from sleeping, whatever, five to nine hours, depending on the individual, hopefully <laughs> somewhere um, around it, around the eight-hour eight marker, then we get up from the bed, and most of us really don't have a clue what, is, is there anything scientific about, you know, waking up or doing the certain steps um, in the morning so that you would be able to improve your efficiency and, and output during the day and feel better. Um, throughout your body as well and be more energetic. Um, I have my own routines, but let's start with uh, with how you, you guys say this. Do you have your own morning routines? Yeah, for sure I do. Um, also, I would like to highlight that we are all humans. Uh, some of us have more time in the morning. Some of us can, let's say, devote 40 minutes every morning um, to kickstart their morning and, and follow their routines. Uh, in my case, is more or less about 10 minutes of me time in the morning. I'll try to make the most out of it. Um, and in my, in my routine, uh, feel free to stop me at any time. So I'll just, I have a few very simple steps. Um, so um, 
In my case, whenever I get out of the bed, I do my uh, oil pulling, which is... Explain. Yes, this would be in the not scientific uh, sector. I don't know. Well, it's. I think good you bring it up because it, I was looking forward to discussing some of the, the, the gray area between scientific and sort of psychological or just kind of like feel-good things. But I think oil pulling is actually like right on that border because... There are a lot of people who do it for non-scientific reasons, I don't know, cleansing their chakras or, or what <laughs> yes. have you, but, I, and you know, subjectively that you just kind of feel fresher and better in, in your mouth or whatever, but there are also some, you know, scientific at least um, angles. I don't know if it's been researched that extensively, but but certainly there are, there are scientific reasons why yeah. you, you might choose to do the, the cleansing. So I definitely started it with the woo-woo science. Um, <laughs> So, I, but oil pulling, just explain how that works. Yes, so I take a, a spoonful of coconut oil, okay. put it into my mouth and swish it around for five mm -hmm. minutes. Sometimes a bit less, sometimes a bit more, depending on how much time do I have. And as I, I try to optimize my time, I do other stuff while swishing. So I'm not just sitting down for five minutes and swishing. I think you actually might squeeze in a quick meditation while you're doing it. Uh, but I That's actually good. do some kind of morning movements, which I talk about a bit later on. Uh, but essentially, that's it. I swish it for about five minutes, spit it into a, into a paper and, and put it to the trash. So never put that into the drain because it will clog your, your drains. Uh, but essentially, that's that. Um, the and you do the tongue scrape? Yes, after. that follows afterwards. So I, I scrape my tongue um, with a very simple uh, plastic tool. Um, costs about one dollar at their grocery shop. So that's just technically cleaning up your tongue, right? Yes, it's and like then I then like brushing your teeth and you clean up yeah, your tongue. Yeah, yeah, because when you do the oil swishing, yeah. it obviously coats your mouth with the oil. Sure. So sure, once you sort of spit it out, um, there's still a lot left, mm -hmm. and it's it's uh, it's not it's not necessarily a bad feeling, but it's one of those feelings like you want to get rid of it, and the tongue scraping does that. Yeah, okay. And but the first when time, you, yeah. When you do the tongue scraping. That's when you realize, like, oh, this actually makes sense because the stuff that comes off when you scrape, it's. I don't want to get too graphic, but it's kind of like disgusting. you're like, I, I never want to not do this again. Yeah. It's like one of those things that once you do it the first time, you're like, I have to do this because I don't want that stuff to be in my mouth. Yes, <laughs> and even if I'm traveling and I don't do the oil swishing because uh, no. I'm not so um, particular about it that I would take my very own oil with me when I yeah. travel, uh, but even then I would. Scrape my tongue. Yeah, so you that's can take a little very tiny tool. So yeah. that that's just um, that there is a lot of nasty stuff on your tongue after uh, a good night's sleep. Yeah. So you you Understood. I yeah. at least want to get rid of it. So technically, these are both like just means of cleaning up your mouth. Mouth, right? yes. Yeah. And the the biggest benefit for me with the with the oil pulling. Uh, also cleansing my chakras and whatever woo-woo science there is, but the, the actual measurable benefit is that my gums are super healthy. My mm. doctor, my, my dentist actually yeah. noticed that when I started oil pulling, and he asked, like, what have you done? Like, your gums are in an amazing shape. And okay. I was like, oh, wow. Like, that actually works. So it's, it's kind of, I think coconut oil is... Um, like anti-inflammatory or it has these kind of anti-inflammatory properties sure, sure. so yeah. it's actually doing a really good good thing for your I think uh, also mouth. even uh, antibacterial 
Yes. Like the, the sort of woo-woo people who talk about this. Really, if you Google oil pulling, you get a lot of woo-woo content. And I think they talk about like, oh, it can regenerate like tooth matter and, you know, like, you know, remove or prevent cavities, like all sorts of like, wow. you know, crazy okay. things yeah. um, that are not that scientific. But like logically speaking, if you think about it, what it certainly does, it like you said, it does remove stuff that's on, on the sort of coating of your teeth and your gums and your tongue. So that would be like toxins or bacteria that have just accumulated there from your breathing overnight. That, that is at least, I, I would say, not debatable. Um, so yeah, I think the, the, where the questions are, which I, I think there's probably something to it is plaque, gingivitis, kind of like Laura said, like gum health. Um, so there's, let's say, some anecdotal evidence from our own usage that it, it would be a it good works. thing yeah. for your sort of the health of your, your teeth. But more than anything, I think the reason I just it's become a habit is is just because the thought of not doing it is suddenly grosser than doing it. <laughs> Interesting. The effort so, of doing it. Yeah. And okay, I can would you then also... use other oils than coconut oil? Like, can I can For I go sure. and drink olive oil? Or yes. Put that but remember not to swallow it yeah. once once you're done, unless you want to have the all the gross stuff going to your stomach. Sure, sure. Um, but what what one? Yeah. Uh, so basically, you could use. Any oil, I would recommend virgin oil, oils or you know good quality oils because if you think about the stuff that you put into your mouth, it's probably you want it to be good. Uh, coconut oil is quite nice and fresh; doesn't have a strong flavor. Yeah. So that that and, and it's if you quite Google affordable. It, I would say it's like one hundred percent of the time it seems to be coconut oil. So is that for the woo woo reasons, or is that for the sort of you know antibacterial? qualities or or you know anti-inflammatory yeah. qualities i don't know but like if you google it it's just going to be coconut oil yeah 100%. it's cheap and good yeah. and one quick tip i would add uh, after the tongue scraping um probably um swishing some warm water in your mouth mm. helps to get rid of the oily feeling yeah. so and do you then afterwards brush your teeth or something i'll eat breakfast and then brush okay. after that because i prefer to drink coffee at okay. breakfast and like my dentist said it's better to actually uh, first have the coffee then yeah. swish water again and then brush your teeth so okay so what's the what, what is the next morning routine for you yes yeah, so in my case it would be the the uh, movements okay. some kind of um, morning yoga or dynamic stretching um, and then for quite a long time I used to do the the monk routine which Aki can talk about a bit more uh, personally, I do this while swishing because I don't have that much time. I would say the first few times when you're swishing, probably try not to do any physical movement while you're yeah, at it. Otherwise, so the you don't choke. Over your wall yes, yes. So okay. you either experience a painful death while choking <laughs> into some oil yeah. and trying to do some weird asanas. Um, but yeah, that that would be it because I want to. I would say I want to wake up the body uh, with gentle measures. And get it moving and depending on where the stiffness lies um, I would focus on, on that area uh, just even a few very simple stretches it will help you tremendously to to get the body moving and and to 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 wake it up in a gentle manner uh, so that that would be my uh, second step and I think in the in the podcast notes we could share the the monk routine oh, yeah, which is five very simple movements um, there is a YouTube video that you can watch and follow. Yeah, it's called the Five Tibetan Rites. I forget where I found this originally, but it would have been one of these, maybe uh, in Greenfield, Tim Ferriss, kind of some other podcast or blog. Um, but the idea really appealed to me because, they, you know, 
we all age at different rates, we get injured, we have you know, different reasons why our mobility and health generally may either um, temporarily uh, be removed or, or sort of minimized, or over time we become stiffer and stiffer and you know, eventually we all get old. And this idea is that you start when you're young doing this series of five exercises that are effectively testing your mobility from your, your joints to your main muscle groups. Um, and it's, it's nothing sort of outlandish. There are pretty much um, five different yoga poses, if you will. But, and, and you know, if you're young and you're healthy, they're very easy. But what it makes you think about is like, hold on. So if I do this every day, the whole point is like, can I do this when I'm like 85? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. the, the sort of cobra pose or, or those kind of things suddenly are like, oh, mm, that's pretty interesting. Like, I wonder if I'd be able to do that. But I think logically speaking, at least, you would imagine that if you practice this every day, for sure it's going to make it easier, and, you know, rather than waiting 60 years and then try it the second time. I think that's not going to go so smoothly. So, um, frankly, personally, I, I don't do it every morning because... Um, I do exercise every morning and we can, we can come to that later, but I think in the absence of exercise, if you don't have the ability to do exercise, maybe you're traveling or you just don't feel like doing exercise, I think absolutely some kind of movement, um, activation, mobility, uh, flexibility, exercise uh, is really, if, if I had to literally just pick one thing, I think that would be the one thing that I would recommend yeah, people sure, do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the next off, so you, you um, do this often whilst you're doing your oil pulling. Yes, and as we live in the tropics, it's always kind of sweaty, um, especially because I, I do these movements in my bathroom where there's no air conditioning. So I'm all ready for a shower um, okay, yeah, yeah, after sure. that. And before my shower, I actually do dry brushing, uh, which is so I use this weird kind of uh, brush with cactus bristles. Uh, sounds very very painful, and it. It's not actually painful, it's, um, it's a, a good sensation. So I quickly dry brush my entire body with this kind of circular um, motions. Mm -hmm. And it kind of speeds up the, um, the blood flow. Okay. Uh, is a great thing for your skin. Um, and it, it just wakes me up. Nice. Gives this nice like... Um, heat kind of sensation um, and then I'm, I'm ready to jump into the shower um, and uh, in my case I'm now still the, going the, the for the cold showers is, is it the cold showers but I most of the time I'm very comfort seeking uh, after I've, I've brushed myself with cactus spikes I kind of it would make it even more hardcore to say that, yes, after cactus and then I'll go to take a I know, I know. But the, the cold shower thing, it's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm trying to get there, but nobody's perfect. Of course, um, yeah. I, I kind of like to think myself as a superhuman, but still there are some flaws. So the cold shower, I think you and Aki can t talk about the, the health yeah. benefits of that. I am able to do it maybe one day out of five. Okay. Uh, and luckily in, in Singapore... It, the water is never really cold, so That's true. lucky us. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the next step. And once I'm out of the shower, um, I'm ready to, to head to the kitchen. And, and first thing I'll have is a, is a lemon water. Mm. 
So that's before I eat or drink anything else. That would be my first thing. So to, why lemon water? Uh, so it kind of speeds up your metabolism. Uh, kickstarts the system. Uh, there are lots of because you've obviously lost a lot of fluids during the night because you haven't drank anything for yes. say six seven hours. So I have a massive glass of water, yeah. uh, and I squeeze half a lemon into that. Drink it with a straw so that it doesn't um, cause any damage to the teeth. Mm. And yeah, that, that's about it. Uh, so the the benefits that are related to drinking lemon water uh, is um, it's supposed to aid digestion, detoxify the liver, erase age spots. So great news for anybody who's aging. Um, speed up your metabolism, help with depression and anxiety, relieve heartburn and reduce inflammation. This sounds like a miracle. Mir miracle. Cure. It does. It's but, lemon water. Yes, but an interesting thing is um, over the summer when, when traveling and spending time abroad, I never drink lemon water and I actually notice it in my skin. Mm. It's not as glowing. So this is complete woo woo once again. Uh, I could That's what have it, that is like, what it is, yes. I, I, I could have like before and after pics, yeah. but essentially, um, I personally, I, I notice it. Um, in my well-being, I notice how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. I know it like how it kickstart kickstarts my system. So that's the reason I'm I'm still doing. You know, it. I, I I do I do recognize that there's some benefit in drinking a lot of water when you well quite a big glass of water when you wake up yeah. because of the fact that your body has dehydrated over the, over the night as you've, you've expelled water through your sweat glands and all that stuff. Um, Plus, if you've gone to the bathroom, so you do need to drink a lot. Um, yeah. Now, the effects, there are some, some um, literature around the fact that you should add some sea salt into your waters to mm -hmm. replenish some of the electrolytes that you've lost. I have, I have read something about lemon as well, but I can't remember. The, At least yeah. it has a massive vitamin C uh, concentration. Yeah. So Plus, I think it tastes a bit better. Right? But I think all, all these three, which you mentioned, the... Uh, um, oil pulling, the dry brushing, the lemon water, I think these are all like very actively promoted in the sort of, let's say like women's wellness yes, exactly. sphere. So like you're not going to necessarily find these on, you know, Peter Atiyah's uh, morning Biohacker Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think they're, it's kind of, they're all, they probably have a bit of a scientific logic to them, but they're not. I think also proclaiming any such like major benefits that anybody would sort of go through the trouble of creating like proper research studies around them. So it's kind of like, you know, what's the, what's the worst that can happen? Oh, you get some vitamins, like, you know, you increase your blood circulation and you get some gunk out of your mouth. So like the sort of cost and effort is so low yeah, that you sort of might as well do it. Do it you know, it you're not going to create anything time. bad. Yeah. Uh, you might... The benefits could be sort of like debatable, but at least it's a net positive in some way. Yep, I agree. I yeah. agree. And after that, I'll, I'll just head to my smoothie prep, which is uh, worth the entire podcast. We, we can, we, the, the, so that's, that's art then, right? Yes, so, yes, that, that's art. And I have so many great recipes that I'm so happy for, to share later for on. For smoothie, but, uh, sorry, for breakfast, do you actually do a smoothie person? Yes. Do you, do you ever eat anything else but smoothie? Yes, eggs every single day. Uh, but I, I think we can have an entire like breakfast podcast with the greatest uh, tips um, ever and some really good recipes. Mm -hmm. But I think as, as, as you know, I wanted to start this, this morning routine thing because my, um, my ways are, are really quick. 
they're much softer, they're not so data-driven, mm. so hardcore scientific, but I think in comparison, Aki's Morning is, is much more uh, like a hard data, hard science-driven, yeah, uh, okay. so it will be really interesting to reflect um, his stuff, and like, like I mentioned, my routine takes about five to ten minutes, depending on how oh, slow I am at squeezing my lemons, how, how they... Uh, hurt my eyes at times and so on, so um, it will be interesting to, to look at your routine, Aki. So just just before we change, from, from the moment you wake up to the moment you're out of the door, how long does it take? It depends on how long my makeup, makeup takes, so sure. that, that's for Perfect. females, Perfect. you know, it's a mystery factor. You, you don't know if it takes five minutes or like freaking 40 minutes. Yeah. There, there are days when, when you look into the mirror and you're thinking like, who the fuck <laughs> is that? Like seriously? <laughs> Um, but yeah, one part of my morning routine, I would say AM routine, that's still happening before noon, is mm. the, the daily meditation at the office. Um, I prefer to do it at the office. Uh, we usually do it around 10 AM or so, once everybody has settled down, got some work done, and then it's time for the sure. meditation. It's yeah. a nice break from all of that, um, but still those mornings uh, when we don't do it, I definitely miss it. So while I don't do any meditation at home, if I didn't have this opportunity mm. at work, I would definitely try to squeeze in at least some active breath work yeah, sure. into my morning or, or something similar. Good. Well, thank you. Let's jump into Aki's routine then. I'm sure you guys live together and you guys talk a lot about health. I'm sure there are some similar routines as well. Yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't used to be a morning person or, or have any kind of morning routine, maybe um, as, as late as maybe four or five years ago. I used to be the kind of guy who would wake up as late as possible, if anything, you know, morning shower as quickly as possible, grab just something for breakfast, and if not, you know, if no time, just literally like walk out the door, um, just grab some clothes and go. So like that, that could Very be efficient. as small as, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I used to do that like a lot. Um, and then I would sort of just try to get into like emails and, you know, calls and meetings as quickly as possible. Um, I'm, I'm naturally traditionally more of a night person, so I might still be kind of working or, or doing some kind of productive stuff pretty late into the evening. So I would always like try to minimize the morning time so I can maximize the evening time. Sure. But I think with, with kids especially and, and moving to Singapore, um, moving into startups, I think it's it's given me the opportunity at least to to kind of revisit that, um, to make my own own schedules. And I think generally in Singapore, people work longer anyway. Yeah. So like, there's no benefit of getting into the office at like 7 a.m. Mm. Like nobody else is gonna show up for two, three hours. So why, why do it? Even the kids, you know, their day is a little bit longer than it would be in, in um, maybe European or Nordic countries. So everything is kind of later in the day. Um, Sounds pretty incredible when you say it out loud, but I, if I wake up at uh, 6, 6, 10, I would usually actually only get into the office at 10. So what the heck am I doing for four hours, <laughs> exactly, yeah. you might ask. It's um, half a day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, it's a whole, whole operation, I guess. Um, so we can dive into it, but it does sound pretty ridiculous when you say it out loud like that. Obviously, like one factor is a little, a little bit of the kids' preparation. And, and their kind of timetable, but um, still, it's mostly me time. Um, 
I do most of the prepping, which takes me about 30 to 60 minutes. Okay. So okay, okay. my me time thus is about five to 10 minutes. <laughs> so, um, you know, without getting too much into the specifics of the app itself, the, the reason Laura um, doesn't have to actively use the app is she has a, a Apple Watch, which is nicely integrated and does all of the data syncing in the background. So she could just kind of like wake up, do her thing, and she'll get the sort of stress analysis and those kind of things in the background, which is, you know, it's the best user experience. You, you walk out the door and you just get a notification like, oh, today's, you know, a good day or, you know, take it easy today or whatever. So that's, that's, that's kind of perfect. But I, I suppose for maybe testing purposes or I don't really know. Um, I use a Garmin device, which does require the active syncing of your data. And I've been using the, uh, the fingertip scan from, uh, from our app for probably, I want to say, maybe six months now during the okay. testing and now that it's live. And that's become actually sort of my morning routine. When I wake up, literally when I open my eyes, um, my phone is always in airplane mode, so I don't get rid of airplane mode because I don't want all the notifications to, to pop into my face first thing. But I do open the HealthZilla app. I probably, I'll give it one minute for my heart rate to settle down after waking up. Because I, I think it's a very common thing that your heart rate actually spikes when you true, true, yeah. wake up. You're yes. like, oh, oh. Especially if the alarm There's a bit of a jolt, yeah. yeah. So I, luckily, that's a good point. I don't have a sort of audio alarm. I just have my... Um, Garmin device on my wrist uh, vibrate, mm. which I find to be very sort of chill way to wake up. But I, I still give it a minute. Then I do the fingertip scan, which takes 60 seconds. I'll get the results from that and the, the sort of stress score. And I, I like the idea of sort of knowing, like, is today going to be like on the bunny, on the ball, go hard in the gym, or is it going to be like, I need to rethink that, like mm. either do something lighter in the gym or in certain cases not go to the gym at all. So that's that's like the first decision I like to um, make. Uh, from there, I'll, I'll partially follow Laura's um, example of doing the, the oil pulling and cleanse. Okay. I also do it while traveling. So, so far everything I've said, uh, travel or home is, is exactly the same. Um, from there, for me, exercise. Um, so typically if I'm traveling, that would be a run outside if possible. The weather can be relatively miserable. I've, I've done that in sort of sub 10 degrees Celsius uh, in Central Park. How long yeah. exercise? Definitely less than an hour. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I, it feels excessive if it's more than an hour, but yeah. typically it's more like 30 minutes. So if, if I'm at home, I'm in the gym, I'll either do, if I've got like my data is a little bit off, I'll, I'll do an uphill uh, walk so I can raise my heart rate to kind of a zone two, which for me is around, hovering around 130 beats per minute. And I'll do that for exactly 30 minutes and, and okay. get out. Um, and if I have a good day in terms of my data, then I'll typically do a strength workout of some sort um, up, to, up to four or five days a week um, with the routine I'm doing now which is a combination of different compound lifts. So I might do a, well, currently I, I do, for example, different variations. So now I'm doing a front squat typically, but it could be a back squat or other type of squat variation. Um, I'm doing an incline bench now, but it could be a, just a normal bench or, or yeah. dumbbell bench, any kind of uh, push kind of movement. Um, and then I'll do a, a, a row or deadlift 
So I'll, I'll at least get those sort of three lifts uh, integrated into a 30 minute quick workout. So I'm not really that, I, I suppose, goal oriented with that. I think it's more, I'm much more a believer in this like sort of frequency and volume of just like lifting heavy things Absolutely. Uh, from many different directions, ideally every day, but at least, you know, three or four times a week mm. uh, from a longevity point of view. Again, I'm not necessarily trying to, you know, reach certain big numbers or, or, you know, maximize hypertrophy. I'm thinking more of the long game and just maintaining like healthy mobility, yeah. posture, all those, those kind of things. Uh, so I get the gym done typically 30 minutes. Um, then I do the cold shower. Um, you and I have been doing the cold shower, I think for, I want to say I've been doing it now for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I heard Ben Greenfield say he hasn't had like a warm shower in two years. I'm not that crazy about it. Like, um, if I take for say some reason um, I do an evening workout, I would actually rather take a warm shower in the evening because I find the cold shower to be very sort of energizing. Yeah, and, and so I don't want that just before bed if I happen to do a shower before bed. But in the mornings, I do the cold shower as cold as possible. Singapore, frankly, it's more like lukewarm. It's not really cold, yeah. cold. True. Um, it does take a little bit of getting used to. So like if you've never done it, you'd still be like, this is uncomfortable but it's unlikely that you'll sort of panic I agree. and be unable to breathe. But then when I'm traveling, I love that. I, I, whether it's the US or Europe, oh, getting that, you know, glacier water uh, temperature from the shower. It's just, it's both brutal and exciting um, and just an incredible kind of rush feeling, is, yeah. even more than the exercise. You just like, when you get that done and you know, it's like a minute or two minutes, it's not like a 10 minute shower. You, you know, you can barely shampoo or barely like get the soap on you, uh, as quickly as possible. Cause it's pretty unbearable even after a year, but once you're done and you turn the water off, um, I remember Joe Rogan saying when he does the uh, cold exposure treatments, he feels like he could walk out and like jump over a car. But that's like the kind of feeling you get. It's just it's this incredible surge of energy um, that makes the rest of the day feel a lot easier yeah. suddenly. It's like a sudden switch that you can use. And, and I, I love doing that. So previously before the cold shower or with the cold shower, I used to do the Wim Hof breathing. But it's quite time consuming. It's like 10, 15 minutes. So I don't typically do that because I want to get the workout in. So I don't do the breathing anymore um, unless maybe special conditions, which could be like traveling. There's no way I could run. There's no like suitable running environment. There's no gym. So I, then I might do either some body weight little workout or just do the breathing. Yeah, yeah. That would be like the bare minimum. I would say the workout definitely helps with the cold shower because oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. I do yeah, work yeah, yeah. out in the yeah. evenings and afterwards I love to take that cold shower. Oh, yes. yeah. It's just when I'm fresh out of bed, have done my soft, gentle monk movements and then there is the cold shower waiting. That's no pleasant thought. Mm -hmm. The body hasn't waken up yet, so it's like a shock. Yeah. Uh, but after workout, especially in Singapore, where it's super hot and yeah, humid, it feels, good. It feels, good, it feels yeah. really good. So I would say if I was a, a morning workout kind of person, uh, or if I could just fit it into my schedule, which I'm unable to do right now, I would definitely um, try to do the morning cold morning shower more often. Right. Yeah. Um, after the cold shower, it's pretty much just breakfast. Um, as I said, we, we should leave that for later because I'm very particular about the, the breakfast. 
Um, I, I guess previously... Can you, can you give us an, like, an overview of roughly what Overview. So I, I don't do the smoothies. Um, I'll, I'll drink half a smoothie if there's leftovers, but I, I don't, it's not like a thing that I would create for myself necessarily. Um, I think I generally think of breakfast in two ways. If I've done a strength workout, I do try to load up some carbs. Mm. Um, how scientific is that? I think it's partially scientific. I think if you listen to a lot of trainers of different kinds, I think there's a lot of sort of anecdotal support for loading up carbs and protein yeah. um, if you've done a strength workout. Whereas if I do a cardio workout, especially if it's kind of a light cardio workout, I would try to keep it more just fats and proteins. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the main two groups. But if it's fats and proteins, that would typically be like an omelette, yeah. um, black coffee. I transitioned to black coffee, I want to say maybe four or five months ago. Um, highly recommended. We can That could be a whole other podcast as well. Um, so many different topics. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of opening uh, different gateways. Yeah. Um, and then probably uh, supplements of various kinds uh, in addition to that. I might, let's say like if the, the omelette or eggs or a small portion, I might add like a Greek yogurt or, or something like that. Um, but it's usually less and it's more simple if I do the sort of cardio and then a kind of more fat protein based meal, but if I do the carbs, then I'll just go, go to town. Um, I would do usually uh, either oatmeal or like a, a Swiss style uh, overnight nice. oats, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of muesli um, thing. And I'll throw a lot of stuff in there, which could range from like bananas or um, different supplement powders like creatine or even leucine, um, protein. Usually I use like um, vegetable based protein whole nother topic once again but I, I try not to when, I, when it comes to protein I, I do try to think of like how do I get a good quality protein but without totally like going overboard with the, the mTOR at least long term so recently I've started maybe slightly toning down the the protein and adding a bit of leucine because leucine again as far as the research and smarter people like Peter Atia would say that the half-life of those amino acids is much shorter so you yes it's a direct sort of mTOR booster, but it's not going to sort of gradually melt away over, you know, the day or several days. It pretty much gets instantly absorbed, used, and then discarded. So you get that spike in terms of sort of maximizing whatever you can in terms of hypertrophy and muscle repair and those kind of good effects. Um, other than the, the sort of magical oatmeal recipe um, or overnight oats, usually one or the other, then I would do a toast of some kind of, yeah, yeah. ideally like a sourdough or something. Um, if we have avocados, um, I might do that. Yeah. Other than that, I would just do olive oil on the toast. Um, and then, yeah, black coffee supplements, um, right. usually like a greens powder. I used to be a huge juice person. Like I would drink lots of fruit juices, but yeah. I totally cut that out. I would say maybe two years ago, just kind of more and more reading about it. I think all of the sort of juice cleanse, juice diet, I think it's all BS because it's, you know, Me too. facts wise, sadly, um, it's just sugar, water, it is. and it's just going to ruin your teeth, ruin your metabolism, ruin your diet, ruin everything. There's literally no upside because you can just get like a greens powder or vitamins and without the sugar yeah. and get literally all of the benefits or more. So the greens powder I drink usually also contains like mushrooms and different things. So that's kind of an all-in-one package. 
Um, supplements wise, again, not going too much detail. Um, some of them are kind of more blood DNA based deficiencies that I have, which could be like um, either vitamin D or B12. Um, uh, then more recently I've added some more longevity related stuff, like I've been uh, taking NMN actually in the morning uh, before the workout. Um, and now I've also added resveratrol mm. with a yeah. recent podcast with uh, David Sinclair, um, you know, who's one of the leading guys looking into living longer. And he said, you know, he doesn't take NMN and metformin daily, but he does take resveratrol and he's been taking it for like 10 years and he really, again... I guess I heard that his dad is on that. So yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, so he's sort of, again, you know, he's a leading scientist, but he doesn't have like research studies to say that it's absolutely you know, mandatory or great, but he says like mechanistically the downsides are pretty much zero yeah. for, for uh, resveratrol. And it looks like from the research that is available that it looks solid. And again, in his sort of personal experimentation, he says he absolutely does feel that it is contributing to his general kind of health and well-being. So he just has taken it, continues to take it. So that's something I added recently. The, the last thing out of the whole routine um, is the meditation, which I also do at the office, but sort of between That's the nice. breakfast and the meditation, it could be as much as two hours. And you sort of say, well, what, what the heck am I doing then? And oftentimes I would say it's a combination of just cooling down from the workout. Because again, we're in Singapore, you just have to, it takes time to cool down. You turn on the AC, chill out. I might do a bit of stretching, um, might do a bit of sort of social media, checking in on some of the digital stuff, usually not emails. I usually leave emails post meditation at the office, but just kind of connecting a little bit, checking LinkedIn, other other things like that, Instagram, um, and just generally like chilling as, as long as I can, because I know if I get into the office at you know, 9.30, I can do that, but I'll just feel a little bit more hurried in the morning. I so I just I might take the extra like 30 it, minutes to almost like do nothing, um, uh, without getting too specific, like uh, Ben Greenfield would with his squat, squat potty adventures. But I think that is something I try to get out of the way before I leave. And drinking water, I think, is a big part of that. So one of the things I forgot to mention is just drinking one or two glasses of cold water because it does sort of activate your your gut um, and, and try to yeah sort of Black cleanse yourself, with that as well, yeah. lighten, lighten the load a bit before you get into the office. So I sort of try to get like everything health and wellness related done so that when I actually then get into meetings, emails, 10, 10.30 latest, then it's like, it's done, yeah. done basically for the day. And, you know, unlike Laura, I don't do workouts or anything really health and wellness related for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of it. Yeah. So I, I have a similar sort of uh, philosophy to, to my day. So I, I do try to get all of the workouts done in the first three hours of the day. Um, it, it, it's very interesting to hear you because it does sound that we operate in a very similar type type of process as well. So I, for me, mornings are probably the, one of the sort of favorite periods of the day. Um, I wake up at 6 a.m. I just get up from the bed. Um, I go to my computer without before doing anything. I take a glass of water. I write to my diary on Evernote three things I'm grateful for and the, and the things I am going to do today, the things I did well yesterday and things I didn't do well yesterday. So it's a very specific routine. Um, drink a, uh, a black cup of coffee, then it's 6.30, then I'm out the door on my way to CrossFit Box, which 
starts uh, or the CrossFit class starts at seven. So during the, um, the the MRT journey to the CrossFit box, I either listen to fearless motivation, so very sort of uplifting stuff which energizes me mentally to the day and, and to the workout, or I listen to podcasts such as Tom Bilio or or, um, or these guys, or or then I can listen to um, some audiobooks as well. Then just before I reach the CrossFit box, what I actually do is I draw into a few of these very powerful rock songs, which like boost you up mentally to get hit that heavy CrossFit workout. I am the tiger. <laughs> a bit more modern, a bit more modern. Usually it goes to Nightwish or something like that. So anyway, so that I've noticed that gives me a massive boost to go to the to do the workout. Therefore, mm-hmm. music and its impact to the human mind and body is quite interesting to uh, to play around with. Anyway, so then I hit the heavy CrossFit workout in the morning. So try to warm up very well and then uh, do some weightlifting and the a high intensity interval type want on top of it, it lasts for an hour. Um, then I stretch for 15 minutes after that, get back home. Again, we're listening to podcasts um, on the MRT. I will be home around 8.30, 8.45 um, and then eat breakfast. Um, so I, I haven't yet gone to shower or anything like that. And that was a fasted hard workout, which is yeah, interesting. So, uh, oh, so it's you didn't, actually you didn't the eat same anything before CrossFit? No, I don't, I don't. So I, I eat... So I eat right after CrossFit, which I, I usually, I, I take a whole zucchini, I put 30 grams of um, chocolate whey protein, everything into a blender, some cacao nibs, um, some um, blueberries, and that's it. It's like a, like a, I don't know, zucchini yogurt or something. <laughs> and then uh, two rice cakes with some avocados on top. Sim- that simple as that. So protein, very low on carbohydrates, some healthy fats from the avocados, and uh, that's it. Uh, black coffee and then um, off to work so how I get to work then is either by running to work which is 10 kilometers or by cycling to work in the same distance so now as I'm prepping for for my marathon in the end of November I'm I'm cycling one way and and running the other way so alternate days uh, which is pretty good and I go to take the shower and during when I'm running or cycling then I listen to more more of uh, Tom Belia for example Um, uh, or Aubrey Marcus is one of my favorites at the same time. I listen to a lot of um, um, uh, good podcasts, basically. Um, Sam Harris re- recently has, has been included as well. But it's a good time because either cycling or, or sort of long-distance long running is nothing like you can still focus on what you're listening to. So it's a good way to have the efficiency in your morning to learn something new. That's, that's my motto in, in everything. And when I get to work, then it is the cold shower, because especially if I've ran to work, my body is running so hot because of the Singapore weather, plus 30 degrees Celsius. Um, It it will take me probably like 15 minutes to to try to cool down under the cold shower there. And even still afterwards, it's it's crazy how how much uh, after sweat I'm I'm carrying into the office, but never mind, that's, uh, that's just part of life. What I what I feel like after do, doing this morning routine is that, just like Aki said, then you've done everything health-related, sort of, throughout. The, then you, you, you feel free to focus on your work and, and focus on everything else for the rest of the day. That's, that's sort of why I like to do everything in the morning, even though I do either run or cycle back home from work yeah. as well. But. In my case, the evening workout is definitely something to look forward to. 
not all days at work are so true, glorious true. and exciting. So at least there mm. is that one little bit. I don't work out every day. Um, do you not feel that evening workouts would um, impact your, your falling asleep? Um, no. Most days not. Uh, some days if I run quite late, and for me this late would be, let's say, 7.30 to 8.30, mm -hmm. then I see that it has a tremendous impact on my data. So my recovery data the next morning is not as good as it would be had I run much earlier. Sure. Um, but that said, um, as I go to the office much earlier due to my short morning routine, oh, yeah. um, I can actually leave a bit earlier. True, true. Um, I try to do the workout immediately when I get home and eat dinner only after that, mm -hmm. which also helps scheduling the, the nighttime uh, intermittent fasting. Oh, you, so you do it, uh, intermittent yes, fasting? Yes, I, I aim to have at least 12 hours. Sure. Um, but stretching that to, let's say, 14, 15 hours is, is I think, the optimal in my case. Um, but yeah, um, interesting that you mentioned that uh, commute to work and that you cycle or, or run. In my case, I use the public transportation to get to work, which means I get 15 step 15k steps on average that's per day yeah, yeah, because the the mrt stations are not exactly nearby yeah. my home or the office so and during those that, that commute i listen to audiobooks double good, speed yeah. oh yeah yes and you're making it um, even more efficient yes right? or if i if i um go for a run or something i always have podcasts nice. and stuff like nice, that nice. so definitely entertaining myself i used to listen to a lot of music like you mentioned it's, it's super uplifting and, yeah. and great but then I kind of figured out I don't have enough time to listen to podcasts, books, learn new exactly. things. So, you just need so to I just had to incorporate that there. Uh, but I do tend to get out of the office at least once a day. Uh, I schedule meetings at least one meeting mm -hmm. per day outside the office just to get the steps in to distance myself from the sort of the, uh, the thoughts that I'm having. Um, I personally really do like the interruption, not sure how it works for you guys, um, but yeah, having that, and, and then obviously there is the Apple Watch complaining all day long, as I don't get my rings closed in the, in the morning, it keeps nagging all day long, like stand up, oh, you're not where you're usually at this point of the day, so that definitely um, helps to, to have this kind of constant movement throughout the day. Mm. And then when I'm home, I'm, I'm more than happy to hit the gym, get sort of rid of all the work thoughts. So it's like a, also, almost like a meditative experience. Um, so that's actually the reason why I do prefer the evening workouts. Nice. On weekends, I've, I've, I usually do it in the morning. Um, but especially if I do like a hard interval run or something, I, I notice that I'm, I'm kind of exhausted all day, all day long. So I prefer to okay, have that okay. in the early oh, yeah. evening and then be exhausted for the, for the evening and not mm. the entire day. So just to pull this all together, because um, obviously all of our routines are slightly different, but you can see some similarities here. What do you think then think? How would you, Aki, sort of summarize what would be the key aspects of a, of a good morning routine for um, anybody out there? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it partially depends on how goal-oriented you are about your 
health and well-being. I think if you consider yourself to be goal-oriented in any way, then I think one aspect you should think about is just adding some data. You know, if, if you're just kind of like doing good things um, every day, the same routine, um, I think you are missing a bit of a step in the sense that, uh, you know, trying to quantify, especially recovery, um, is, is one thing I, I would consider that. So whether that's a wearable device or, or you know, using apps to gather, gather that data, I, I would think about that as, as one element. I think broadly speaking, again, if you're sort of goal-oriented, I think some form of daily exercise. I've sort of changed my mind over time that I used to think much more about sort of recovery, but I, I would rather think of it in a way to um, just right-size the dosage and type of the exercise to make sure that you can recover. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the mistake people make when they kind of start these kind of new habits is they go a little bit too hardcore because they, they look at Mark Wahlberg or, or The Rock um, and they just kind of like go from zero to a hundred, then they get injured or, or tired or whatever it may be. So I think uh, right-sizing some exercise, you know, like I, I've started to really be more flexible in my definitions. You know, I do a lot of this kind of uphill walking on a treadmill. I think that's, you know, great zone to exercise from a kind of longevity health perspective, even though, you know, it's not like a hardcore workout, but I think it's, it's you know, there's many different types of valuable exercise um, yeah. that you can do. Meditation would be number two for me, um, or I guess number three by now. But, you know, if you look at sort of some data, um, some exercise, the, the number three thing would be meditation. I think meditation um, used to be quite stigmatized and very woo-woo, very non-professional. You know, imagine if you meditated at the office, oh my gosh, you would be sort of, you know, singled out as a yeah. freak, basically. Um, but that's changed a lot. I think Silicon Valley, tech companies, podcasts, uh, health and wellness as a general trend has made it far more accessible. And I think, you know, some people like Sam Harris who have created meditation content that is sort of non-woo-woo is an important step. It is. It's, it's yeah. non-spiritual. Yeah, it's void of all of the sort of chakras and, and kind of weirdness that kind of put off people and make them just feel a bit weird about it. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think anybody who hasn't really gotten into meditation mindfulness, whether it's Headspace or, or Sam Harris or, or the Oak app, there's many sort of digital, even free uh, types of content available. So I think just trying, that, trying to integrate that 10-minute meditation um, either at home or, you know, depending on your circumstance, even theoretically during the commute, mm -hmm. if you're sitting in a kind of long haul bus or train, you could totally do it. Or then once you get to work, just jumping into kind of a call booth for 10 minutes, nobody, nobody's going to notice. Um, those are the three things I think everybody should be doing. Um, other than that, I think it's just, you know, um, kind of a never ending experimentation. You add, subtract things over time. I don't think my routine next year is going to be the same. I think I'll, I'll be learning, experimenting, just also trying new things out of curiosity. And I think the key here is the sort of tying the data into it. Because unless you have data, and let's say you're like a skeptic mind, you cannot see the change. It's, it's not about your gut feel. It's more about, you know, I started meditation three months ago. My resting heart rate lowered. 
or you know these kind of very concrete changes that you can Cause see in your effect, data. Yes. Un in, 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 in the case you don't have the data to begin with, how can you see any change? And I, I think, especially in my case, um, as Aki mentioned, I, I do wear the Apple Watch. Um, I do get the, the uh, stress notification each and every morning. And I, I have to say, even though um, in most cases it totally matches with my gut feeling, there are many days when I'm, let's say, I'm about to get sick. I don't know that I'm about to get sick yet, but the data is already showing that. So those days, I definitely take it easier. I do follow the, the, the advice given to me. And uh, I'd like to believe that in many cases, I've been able to avoid that coming illness or you know um, have it in a milder format because I've been able to tone down my, my workout in the evening or you know the, the general activity level or, or pushing mm -hmm. myself to, to new and hard things on those days. Absolutely. So I, I would. I would say, from a motivational aspect, the, the data um, data data side is super intriguing because it kind of helps you to to see things, how you develop, how you improve, even if you don't see it in the mirror immediately, or you know, you don't recognize that your your skin tone is is better all of a sudden. There are certain aspects in your data that will improve for sure when you. Um, adapt these new healthy habits and that also helps you to to optimize you might try out something for let's say two three months if you don't see any major improvements um, and you don't feel better and and the data doesn't show it then, then you can say maybe this is not for me and then you can go on to the next one exactly. but yeah i would just add by the way because we've talked about data that you know while of course some of it can be sort of let's say hard physiological data like resting heart rate, heart rate variability, those kind of things. But I think even sleep data is a very sort of undervalued um, piece of data to start gathering for yourself. Because a lot of people will say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I, I sleep enough. Like, have you actually measured it? Like, yes. it's not just when you go to bed, because it's like, oh yeah, I was browsing Instagram and then I fell asleep. Well, like how long were you browsing Instagram? And obviously that's destroying your sleep quality. So I think having some sort of device um, to measure not only the sleep quantity, that, that's I think number one, because you will totally be uh, shocked when you actually see how long you're sleeping, because it takes you longer to fall asleep and it's you know, not necessarily continuous, so you just will get less sleep than you think. You might say, oh, I'm in bed for eight hours, but you might have six and a half hours of sleep, and obviously the recommendation would be eight. But then when you add sleep quality, which a lot of these devices, whether it's the Aura Rings or the Fitbits or Garmin's, what have you, um, that takes it to the next level. Because then you can start to really understand like what's the correlation between working out in the evening, morning, even diet, even alcohol use, um, yep. checking emails, Instagram before bed, all the sort of sleep hygiene things that you can Google about we'll temperature. Exactly. We can do a, a sleep podcast. You know, frankly, there are many sleep podcasts, are, yeah. uh, including Matthew Walker, I think, did three with Peter Atia, going into all of the science and the different hacks uh, you can do. But it's just, I think, still, regardless, it's very underappreciated. So I think sleep data, if I had to choose one piece of data that everybody can understand and use, I think sleep is probably it's the it. first. It's a, it's a brilliant way to start, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, that, that's been an awesome blast of information from Aki and Laura. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, us today. Where can, where can the guys go and follow you on, on social media? 
Uh, sure. Uh, so my my Instagram handle is Laura uh, Health Geek. So you can find me there. Um, and then I do uh, post regularly on LinkedIn. So you can you can follow myself there. Just with your name, right? So. Yes, Laura Ranin. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's pretty much exclusively uh, LinkedIn. So Aki uh, Ranin um, at LinkedIn. Uh, and all the other medium and, and Healthzilla website blog posts that we do would be sort of shared there anyway. So it's just kind of one one place to, to get it all. That's, that's, you, Nico? that's awesome. So for me, Nico Ratala on all the different socials, you'll be able to find us. And go see our website, healthzilla.ai. You will find our blog and all the different information about the app itself and how to improve your life in, in general and health and well-being, of course. And do not forget to go and download the newest version of the Healthzilla app in the Apple App Store. Thank you very much, guys. See you later. Peace.